Welcome to May I, the weekly podcast from the Academy for Hospitality Arts. I am Noah Parks, your humble host and veteran of the hospitality industry. Each week, this podcast is our chance to discuss all things hospitality with industry professionals, members of our faculty, and guests that are passionate about hospitality. We have a focus for each episode, but the discussion is as wide-ranging as our industry and just as welcoming. This week, we are joined by our resident professor of hospitality, Richard Hawk. Richard and I both hail from the great state of Iowa and are both graduates of the University of Iowa. For that reason, I must say, go Hawks. However, we will delve into our Iowa roots another time. Today, we'll talk to Richard about the Academy, his experience in hospitality, and we'll ask him why we say, may I? Enjoy my discussion with Professor of Hospitality, Richard Hawk. Well, thank you, Noah. It's great to be here with you today. Awesome. We are starting a new segment. We just did one with Stephen, and he had an answer. I asked Michael, he had an answer, but I just wanted to ask, why do we say, may I, or why don't you? Uh, Wow, that's a great question. And uh, actually, before I became involved with the Academy for Hospitality Arts, it wasn't something that uh, I practiced regularly. But what uh, we found through the academy is that may I is basically the perfect answer for anything without getting too much into uh, your guest and having too much interaction. You know, if, if you're ready to clear something, may I? If you'd like to place something down, may I? It, it's just right. so hospitable. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. Um, when when I was talking to Stephen and, and and Mike, they also mentioned that it kind of leaves the guest in control, I guess, in a way. Like, you know, it's not it's not taking any agency away from them because I Absolutely. feel like some you know, sometimes it can be a little I don't know, I've I've been that bartender where I'm a little pushy, like, all right, you know, like let's go. <laughs> Never with HMG or AHA, I promise, but <laughs> well, you know what? We we only get there by uh, keeping our eyes open, our ears open, and being aware. Uh, you know, we we always think we have really good answers. And when Michael introduced that to me through uh, working with him at the Academy Academy for Hospitality Arts, it, it was one of those pardon the pun aha moments. <laughs> the <AHA. laughs> um, it, it really is just such a perfect little phrase i love it um awesome that's why we named the podcast after it well i want to ask a couple more questions if that's okay um what led you to the aha i know that there's a few different paths we've all taken but specifically you know the aha does something unique it seems to draw in the cream of the crop i guess well i i do hope that that is the case um (laughs) so thank you for saying that noah Uh, What brought me to AHA? Well, obviously, I was invited to join the team um, by Michael DePerry and Stephen. I'd worked for the industry for several years. Uh, I actually had my first catering gig in 1988. Um, And by 1992, I had been basically captaining for different companies throughout New York City, which is where I'm based out of. And the great thing was that I really enjoyed 
the experience. I love doing what I do. Having worked with a lot of different companies, it gave me the opportunity to see a lot of different ways things were being done. And then I moved on to one company that I was with for about 20 years as their lead captain, um, which was a great experience. It uh, brought about the development of many of the systems that we incorporate. The downside to that, Noah, was that I didn't have the opportunity to continually be out there and see what other people were doing. And I did get back to that quite a bit um, before I joined the academy. Uh, but ha having been the lead for that company, we developed systems. Um, I continually read, I'm a big fan of Emily Post and her manners. Uh, so much information in there on dining and service. Instituting that within the teams that I worked with and then being able to bring it to the academy and working with Stephen and Michael to develop not only what I had learned and set of standards for that company, but what they knew and just developing and refining. And the really amazing thing that Michael and Stephen have introduced to me is how we teach others. And it's a very respectful and interactive uh, system that we've incorporated. So I really enjoy that. As I said, I was invited to the team about two years ago and uh, very happy to have found that. So kind of a long way around your question. Hopefully I got to the answer eventually. <laughs> no, no, I, I think it's really interesting how, especially, you know, when we hear these three stories together, Michael deciding to found the AHA, uh, how Stephen came to the AHA, and then how you came to the AHA, it's it's, there's a through line of exactly, and I'll ask you this in, in a moment, but there's a through line of respect and systems and standards and, and putting those three words together just seems to have created a holy trinity for how to approach learning, hospitality, et cetera. Um, and all of you have mentioned that, but I, I do want to ask, um, how is the AHA, and you started to talk about it, but how is the AHA training different from, uh, let's say, you know, like some of the, I guess, better known hospitality schools like Cordon Bleu or, you know, the, the um, I forget, Johnson and Wales, you know, stuff like that. Well, what sets the Academy for Hospitality Arts apart from most is we're dedicated to the service part of the industry the front of the house as it's termed. Uh, we, we deal with waiters, managers, hosts, co-check, everybody who's in the front of house. What Michael found was that there are hundreds of learning institutions for culinary arts. And as you go from one place to another, people use the exact same knife. They're taught techniques to cut, slice, dice to be safe. And mm -hmm. we really find that lacking in the front of the house service portion of the industry. We found that if I go to one catering company or restaurant to another, um, it's about this is how we do it instead of this is how the industry does it. And our goal is to accomplish that within the service portion of the industry. So whether I'm working at 
a caterer in New York City, a caterer in Washington, D.C., a caterer in uh, Philadelphia or Los Angeles, the protocols, the standards will be the same. What we found with a couple of the companies that we work with is we've been using this and developing these systems with a team kind of as our beta test. And we found that they are incredibly happy to know that all of their captains are now speaking with one voice, that it's the same right. uh, terminology, the same way that we develop working with each other. One more thing that the Academy brings is respect. You know, the industry has been highlighting chefs and uh, different restaurateurs for years, and they become celebrities, as they should be. You know, they do an amazing job, mm -hmm. but that respect hasn't translated to the front of the house. And there are some amazing mm. owners and hosts that really, when you go to their restaurant, you feel like you're walking into their house. They treat you not as mm. a, a customer. I, I'm really not a fan of the word customer, Everybody in hospitality is my guest. And it's something we try to instill in everybody through the Academy for Hospitality Arts. Right. Yeah. I believe that when when we've done some events together, you're someone that I always get the guest is not just another word for customer. It really is your guest. I do get that that that's something that you've taught me to respect, you know, respect yourself by respecting your guests, you know, like you're a host, this is an opportunity for you to show that you care, you know, in a way that most industries, they really just focus on the customer, they don't treat them like guests. Yeah, I, I think you're right there, Noah. And ha having to work that and develop that yourself, don't you find it much more fun to be at work? And doesn't the time go so much quicker? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there like you were talking about the passion and, and Mike and Steven both mentioned it too. There is a there is a, a passion and, and a love for this work for a reason. It comes from the people, you know. There's a there's a focus on the people. And if you don't love them, it's gonna be very difficult <laughs> to enjoy your time on the field, in the field rather. A absolutely. So much of it is the paradigm from what you're looking at things and the perspective. You, you can go in and look at it as a day at work. Maybe you're having a bad day and you would rather not be there, mm -hmm. but you are there. So put on the happy face, put on, putting on the happy yeah. face changes the chemical reactions in your body. Smiling, when you answer the phone and you're smiling, people can see that on the other side of the line. How much more so is that when you are having that face-to-face -face with somebody and they see that you're smiling and when you say happy to do that for you instead of no problem those are just small little things that we're trying to establish within the industry through the hospitality for or the academy for hospitality arts that really not only set the students apart from the rest but it allows you to enjoy the time at work and we spend way too many hours at work to not have a good time 
We will take a break there until next week when we resume our conversation with our professor of hospitality, Richard Hawk. Of course, we encourage everyone to take 15 seconds and smile, no matter how unnatural it might be, and try not to laugh. I've been smiling through this entire outro, could you tell? We encourage everyone to also subscribe to the May I podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to visit our website at ahaexcellence.com. That's ahaexcellence.com. And follow us on social media. That's all for now. Until next time, we ask, 